unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And we are taking a recent ramble on a film that has come out recently. We covered the original um, in one of our episodes, Coming to America, with uh, Eddie Murphy, James Hill Jones, Osino Hall. But this time we are going to cover the belated sequel that is Coming to America. Very hard to cover that orally. But George, aren't we? Well, this, is, this is something we don't do it a lot, but we're obviously doing it because we were hoping to cover this film at about the time when we did the Coming to America episode. That was the plan, wasn't it? Yes, yes. That was uh, my evil plan was the fact it was supposed to be a very nice dovetail into the belated sequel. So it was originally sh- uh, scheduled scheduled uh, to be released in December. Christmas! Obviously, that's when we released our Coming to America episode. So we did talk about it at the end, what we we thought the sequel might be and we did threaten that we might we promised we promised that we would watch it we would watch it and we'd come back and give you our thoughts so that's all this episode is about isn't it george yes do and a few people have asked what our thoughts are on it there's a lot of love for the original yeah and um yeah so obviously they we're going to try and avoid uh, spoilers as best possible but i think we will cover things that are probably in the trailer um i think if you're if you were a fan of the original and you you really want to see this film you probably will have got around to seeing it we are talking about a film that is out at the moment so if you want to go in completely blind maybe watch the film before listening to this you have been warned but i think it's safe to say if you've seen coming to america or crocodile dundee 2 for that matter there won't be that many surprises yeah combine those two together and you've got the hybrid uh, of this film so uh, without any further ado we will jump into this it's as i say an abbreviated uh, version of our usual show where we go back to films of yesteryear um this is the film films of yesteryear coming back to bite us today so it's uh, the nostalgia it's, train baby it's the nostalgia yeah, train. gravy train with biscuit wheels um it's a streaming release come what may this is the world we live in right now we are still in the grasp of covid so we hope you're all safe and sound but here it is it's coming to america uh, recent ramble enjoy the show enjoy Heed my words before I'm gone, my son. Now, you will be king. But the throne must pass to a male heir. Hakim, it appears you have a son. He must be found. Prepare the royal chant. We are going back to America. Oh, hell no, your majesty. I'm the king of this shop. That's money in hell. Well, well. Say it again. It is so good to see you. Well, I 
be damned. Look who done come up in here. Hey, it's Kunta Kinte and Ebola. Famine and blood diamonds. Nelson Mandela and Winnie. Those hungry babies with the flies on the face. Hey, oh, 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 that's too much. Now, you stepped over the line. Now, we won't be talking that kind of shit about the hungry babies. You're going to have to get out of my chair. Politically incorrect. So what you doing back here, Hotel Rwanda? (laughs) (laughs) I'm back. Say it again. So, George, why... I could say, how did we get this film? We know it came from the original we covered. So why did we have to wait so long? Well, that's a funny one. I would have, in my head, I always thought that it was something that was always talked about because, as we touched on in our episode, for coming coming to America, the original was. I was going to say quicker, biggest... so it's coming to America and coming to America. Good work, Christopher Walken slash Lionel Hutz. There's coming to America and coming <laughs> to America. Um, That's all how you say it. So yeah, I I would have assumed that there was always plans for a sequel because the original was so successful. It was one of the biggest box office hits of 1988, and as we discussed on our episode, grossed over 300 million. And that you know that was a big deal back in in 88. But I was watching a, a really good interview with uh, Eddie Murphy on the uh, Jimmy Fallon show. I got confused because I watched Wesley be interviewed on Jimmy Kimmel. And then I watched Eddie be interviewed on Jimmy Fallon. And he was telling Jimmy Fallon that there there was never an intention to do a a sequel. Well, not immediately anyway. And it was out of all of his films, he said it was the most cult. It became the most cult of his films. So he said, you know, in terms of the legacy of it, the quotes, the the characters. So he's, you know, talking about like people taking, you know, the inspiration for sexual chocolate. People had like named their bands. Jackson Heights own Mr. Randy Watson. <laughs> He talked, you know, there's a, a Wendy's in L.A. that for Halloween rebranded itself as a McDowell's recently. Uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce went as Queen Jaffe Jaffer and Elion, Elion for Halloween recently. So, yeah, it has this lasting appeal out of all of his films. The, yeah, more so even more than Beverly Hills Cop. Because of that, it was like, well, people still love it. People still enjoy it let's let's you know why don't we you know be fun to get the, the the everyone back together so i think it was only maybe about five years ago that the wheels started turning on it but he's i mean from from the neutral i said the neutral i'm not a film uh aficionado like yourself but from my point of view it's like he was smart in that he came back with dolomite we're talking about eddie murphy here I think he was like, I've got to get, I've got to get my mojo back somehow. And, and I think he very much discovered it. And then it's like, right. And I wonder, I mean, the cynic in me is like, is saying that maybe he realized the way the industry works, he'd have to have a hit before he could go back to his other stuff. Otherwise it wouldn't work as well as it maybe has. And maybe yeah. a lot of, maybe a lot of the people who, whether they enjoy it or not, the people who go to see this film, maybe they, they're going to see it because of Dolomite, maybe not. But I think the success of Dolomite is a, is a big reason why we have this film. And we, it's the same director, isn't it? Yeah, so it's Craig Brewer. 
And well, yeah, he, he had a, quite a a good year. I think so. Do- Dolomite was twenty nineteen, I think, because he did that, and then he returned to Saturday. He hosted Saturday Night Live, and apparently he won an Emmy for doing that. So um, he, around the same time, and it was a big deal because he hadn't been on Saturday Night Live for. They didn't end on the best of terms, I think. I think there was some hiatus about writing or scripting or something with Lorne Michaels. I can't remember. But there's something political that happened. I think somebody bad-mouthed him and he said, right, I'm not going back on your show, when he was at his height of his career. Yeah. So I think think there was probably some humble pie eaten on both sides to make that happen. It was, yeah, as you say... um you know, Dolmite was his best uh, reviewed film since Dreamgirls and probably his best reviewed comedy since, as you and I always bang on about it, um, Bowfinger. Yeah. Probably the last great thing that both Steve Martin and <laughs> Eddie Murphy did. Bowfinger is probably so old it qualifies for a retro ramble coverage at some point. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you're right. I think he needed a hit. And that's why I was, I was also surprised that Netflix would have uh, you know, sunk their claws and their money into him after Dolmite was, you know, a success and well reviewed. I would have thought they said, right. And I'm sure there was some talk of they were going to uh, do Coming to America as well, but it's ended up at Amazon. And I it, think uh, that's, I mean, I don't have anything officially to back this up, but I think there's probably some negotiation that's gone on. And also, I think it's a paramount thing. Well, that's it. You know, Paramount obviously own the rights to it. They've they've got all, it's it's their decision. So it is a Paramount film. It's just being distributed by Amazon. And I saw there's someone, no cinemas open, buddy. There's well, that's no it. cinema. I, I saw. What someone, else are you going to do? I saw someone complain online when someone I think shared it on the Empire group on Facebook and said, "Oh, what people's thoughts on this?" And someone's like, "Oh, it's it's going it's gone straight to Amazon. It means it's going to be shit." And I and I went back and I was awake? like, <laughs> and I was like, "What other option do they have?" Of course, it's going to be straight to streaming, um, but apparently, uh, Amazon never share. The, and I think Netflix are the same, but they. Uh, never share their their actual figures, but they have said that it's their biggest hit since lockdown. So it's bigger than Borat 2 and any other of their originals. So it would be interesting to sort of say a what if, like what if none of the, you know, the, the pandemic had, and this had been released into, whether it would have been released into cinemas or they're using the pandemic as an excuse. I, part of me thinks it might have still just gone to streaming because I don't think it would have had the chops um, I think it's too much of a nostalgia fest, but I think that's why it's been so warmly received as well, because so many people are like, oh, let's, you know, let's revisit that. Let's, you know, let's sit in and watch it. Whereas I'm not sure if the the cinema going public would be, they'd be like, oh, what's, who's Eddie Murphy? <laughs> I think what's happened is you, you can see the time that we're in. I mean, what was the, do we remember why it was delayed? Because I mean, the thing that, that, just chides a little with this narrative of it of it being on to, why is it on streaming blah de, blah de, blah um it's on streaming because of the pandemic because the cinema is being shut but the u.s is set to open its theaters in a, in a week or something they All are right. planning well very soon i don't know exactly when the date is but um i just know i just know that that has been tabled so i just wonder that it's almost like they've put it onto streaming just before the u.s cinemas but they you wouldn't want this to be the first film i mean Tenet took a risk and took a hit, you know? So yeah. I think um, maybe, maybe there's, there's a longer story, but I think we're glad that it's finally out. And that we've I mean, if, if, if you think about it, yeah, it is, it's a big risk because for any sequel to have that much of a gap, I mean, 
you know, the the one that I can think of, and it's not obviously not a, a comedy, but the one of the most beloved sequels we had recently was Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and that was, you know, um, five star reviews. Everyone loved, all the critics loved it, but it was a bomb at the box office in terms of you know because again, I don't know if people were that engaged with the original, and it was a very cerebral film and it was it was pretty much made for the fans uh, as a bit like this film is it's made for the fans very lovingly and affectionately yeah and i I wonder are we talking different types of fans here maybe you know um i think maybe the i think this film i think this film would have performed well at the cinema but we'll we'll never know what we might see in the next six months is maybe a re-release you never know but but if you look at um the other beloved uh, comedy sequels of note dumb and dumber 2 um, that was not seen it. Oh, it's 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 awful. I mean, I watched it with um, last month's guest, uh, Husey, uh, after several glasses of wine. He was like, "Oh yeah, it's it's fun. We'll really enjoy it." And I was just like, I, I wanted to like it, but it was it was a bit of a car crash. A lot of jokes that just didn't land. And I think that must have been at least 15, 20 years, maybe, because Dumb and Dumber was 95. So, yeah, I think it was close to 20 years. And obviously, Anchorman, I think that was about 10 years between the two. That wasn't um, bad. That, to, to me, it was it was okay. It's like, especially if you oh, accept no. that Anchorman was so left field zany and welcome when it came out was it 2005 2004 that sort of time um and so yeah they um you could even accuse that of being lazier because it was a smaller window and they kind of just retreaded you know they retraced the steps a little bit and and swapped a few things here and there um but you enjoyed going back to the cast and it hadn't been that long and they've you know to, to be critical they have done that a bit with this as well they've they've looked at you know that you there's a lot if anything this film does i would say over rely on nostalgia but i think talk about what we what each of us think of the film because we've been rabbiting on about the industry and why it's on streaming should we should we each give our our input uh how do you want to yes yeah let's go for it well i'll go first um because george has filled us in on on how we've had to wait for this film so Newsflash, George and I watched this together. Yes, I managed to get into the UK um, and after four COVID tests <laughs> and rebooking, uh, rebooking flights here and there, I was able to stay and, and get back to where I live. So we watched this together, listeners. Yeah, and I think that was a bit of a highlight for us both, wasn't it, George, just to sit down and... Definitely. I mean, I, I would obviously, a lot of people would say having four COVID tests just to watch coming to America is a bit of a, a, bit, uh, you know, a bit extreme, but no, it was, it was, it was really nice because I don't think, I don't think it would have been the same if I'd watched it uh, with, with my wife, because I don't think she holds the original with as much as affection as, as you and I, and she's you know, not part of the cult following, is she? No. I, I think I said we we at the end of it we were kind of on the same page. I think we agreed on the same things. For me, it passes the five laugh test in terms of comedies set out by Mark Kermode, and it it is an enjoyable romp to go back. Um, does it rely too heavily on the nostalgia and the cameos? If it does, you if you're a true fan and if you follow this film and if you like our podcast for the films we cover, I think like us, you'll have a smile on your face. You'll enjoy that. You, yes, they're pushing your buttons, but in my opinion, are they really pushing your buttons any more than say Steven Spielberg is when he plays music at the right point in a film? You know, it's like I think my only complaint, or I can see why people 
have, have had problems with it is that it's because of that is that they do rely on maybe the success of of the previous film but to be fair people would hated it if they tried to do something different so in a non-win-win uh, scenario they did what disney couldn't do with star wars which is just give the people what they want i, I think they dealt with it better you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't and as you said you know that star wars analogy is, is perfect you know the force awakens is pure fan service pure nostalgia rush and a very similar model to this the last jedi no let's try and let's try something different <laughs> let's try and, oh no don't do that that's failed uh, oh shit we have to go and do it again let's that, that's yeah, let's, film, yeah. let's do it do it again with the, the, um, make it even worse who was the um, bad guy from the original films yeah bring him back he's back bring him back uh, uh, a point which you can the baton you can pick up dear brother is um i mean i would say seven out of ten generally for me i think uh we though we on, don't do ratings on the show we don't we do don't ratings do on the show yeah so it's it's good um but yeah i think we both felt is that there's just glimpses in the film of the eddie murphy that we know and love the, the guy who carried that first film and i think the only it's not even a criticism it's like he cut you kind of get the feeling is sidelined the right term i'd like i prefer to him he kind of steps aside to breathe life into a new plot and you kind of miss him a little bit very much so i mean i it's kind of linked into the theme of that you know we you know uh sons becoming their fathers and it's it's a weird one it's like as eddie murphy said one of the challenges of making a sequel is that you know the first one's a fairy tale and it ends on a happy ending where where do you go from there and that's why it kind of makes sense to say okay we'll make it about you know his his son him becoming a father and yet yeah, it's, it's interesting to see that you know prince akeem for all his like forward thinking and being a very you know noble guy in the first one is is kind of fallen into that rut of oh everything has to be you know tradition and yeah he's repeating the sins of his father effectively ultimately yeah i think eddie murphy does get sidelined and i think there's a bit more fun with orsenio hall's uh character semi as he always was more um comic relief in the first one anyway but they are both having so much fun as the other characters and it's a real shame because yeah those uh, i i think you're safe to say because we were both giggling along at the same parts is that the the other characters they play under obviously layers of prosthetics are hilarious and they're the most fun of they're the they're the high points for me um some of the characters you're familiar with so uh, if you've seen the trailer don't know how through some sort of magic age defying serum the the barbershop guys are still alive and uh, still the same age <laughs> still the same, as is the Re- reverend brown don't um, ask too many questions no i think i because uh, they, they they have i think maybe uh, with you saying that I think I feel like the Eddie Murphy is kind of silent. That Prince Akeem, I will empty your garbage. Um, that guy's been put in the background, but they are there all the time. They're there in the characters, and and you can get the feeling that Eddie Murphy's doing work in the background. The well, that's it. I mean, I, I think we said that in the in the original that Eddie's playing the straight man in that, and it's the uh, how people play off him. But there's the comedy that comes out of his naivety and that the fish, fish out of water. Thing, yeah, yeah. Fish out, a fish out of water thing. Whereas in this, because it's majority of it's, is set in Zamunda, you haven't got, it's, it's more about the, yeah, as you say, it falls to uh, the character of his 
his son, played by Jermaine Fowler. Well um, done, by the way. All, I thought all of the supporting cast, like all the new faces, so his daughters and um, and his son, and who's the comedian from... Uh, Leslie Jones, she's brilliant in there. She's brilliant, she's brilliant. And um, yeah, I, I just... The, and well, Charlie, how she's who used, is... how she's used in the film as well. I just thought the whole thing between her and being the well, I think I've read in one of the reviews. We'll get onto the cr- critic reviews in a minute. Mm. Uh, she's the wacky uncle in this, you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, but she's brilliant. And the the one person that we both loved and have always been a fan of is Wesley. Wesley is amazing in this. Give that man just 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 make like can we just have you know those those Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy films can we just swap out Martin Lawrence for Wesley just make more films with Eddie Murphy and and Wesley Wesley's comic timing we feel I think I think he's discovered it we saw it in Dolomite and it's back he is he's brilliant well, just give him more stuff give him more well, stuff I mean, he's he must be hearing this right now from his agent Wesley all I'm getting on all I'm getting is comedy scripts <laughs> well no it's really interesting because it's something that Eddie Murphy brings up in this uh, Kimmel interview he says that originally Eddie Murphy himself was due to play the evil general ah. and he was going to do under prosthetics and he said he was going to play it completely differently but when they were working they've known each other for like 20, 30 years, if they've known such uh, since like the late 80s. And I think actually Wesley uh, Snipes auditioned for the role of Daryl, I think, in the original Coming to America. Right, so there's, okay. there's a coulda, woulda, shoulda for you. Yeah, Eddie Murphy says, you know, I, I I find it really it's it's really frustrating that, you know, Wesley's been pigeonholed as this action guy because he is a brilliant comedian, he's a brilliant dramatic actor. And he said, We had so much fun working together on Dolomite. I was like, We've got to get you in coming to America. And he said he did such a an amazing job with the general made it his made it his own but yeah it's you Jack, know, jackson we, heights own no, no jackson heights own. Own. um <laughs> but yeah something that you and i have been saying you know we, we talked about this in demolition man um you know that funny you know wesley snipes is a very funny guy he's got very good comic timing and yes you know obviously the guys had a bit of an up and down career um but he is he is amazing in this and yes i say let's let's Put him in more stuff, please, Hollywood, because he's great. He's having a great time. Arsino Hall's having a great bastard son. No, I mean he's <laughs> he's having he's a great bastard. time. He's the best, and that joke doesn't get old throughout. You no. think it does, but um, well, it didn't just, get old for us. <laughs> I just I think that uh, this I think this film delivers and it gives the the audience um, exactly what it would like. I think the fact that you've got James Earl Jones there, who I noticed. Is obviously, um, you know, he's at a he's an old man now, and but this film is obviously important enough to get him out because they could have killed him off, they could have yeah. written him out. Given I mean, his he's, age, he's, he really wanted to be in this film, and he's a vital part of of the legacy, of the story, so. which we won't go into. Yeah. Um, um, no, but of of the coming to America, you know, you do associate it with, you know, James James Earl Jones is such a big part of that. Like the original, you know, it has the sequel has a lot of heart and its heart's in the right place and it has some nice messages to it. As as you and I talked about after watching it, there probably will be some people and you will probably go into this on the, the creators review. Some people might complain that it's, you know, uh, too woke, too updated for, you know, a, a modern audience, but times change and I think you do have to mix things up. Yes, it does lean a bit too much into the into the nostalgia. I mean, I had to scoff at the bit where one of the opening shots 
a, a row of photographs in the Royal Palace in Zamunda, and there's a picture of the barbershop guys. Why would he have a picture of the barbershop guys? It's like, yeah, this, um, this just, just kind of tie into the whole South Park member berries. Yeah. Remember, remember, remember the barbershop guys. Remember this. Remember that. And yeah, there's, there's a a McDowell's uh, sort of gag very early on, and I thought, oh god, is that all we're going to get of um of the brilliant, you know, Leo McDowell? Jo- uh, you we know, didn't brilliant. see much. Is he? He's in it again, but he's very no, but- he's underused as well. He's underused, but he John Amos uh, he does crop up uh, later in the role for a very emotional and 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 poignant bit in the story. So I thought that was really nice. So I yeah, it- do McLean. <laughs> <laughs> wrong place think of- at the wrong time. Just all, everything he says in Die Hard Two is gritty. I kind of like you, McLean. <laughs> I just love that guy. I just want to watch more of his movies. What I want to say is, yeah, I, I did really enjoy. It. I don't think I enjoyed it. Probably as much as you, but I still think it's a lot of fun if you're, as you said, if you're a fan, if you love the original and you revisit the original quite a bit, then I think you, you will get a lot out of it. It's one of those things that it, it does, it's a, it's a risky bet of just giving people, you know, of any sequels, like give people the, you know, what they want, but give them, you know, differently. And, and I think this film does that fairly successfully, similar in a similar instance to the Bill and Ted sequel, Bill and Ted Face of Music. It's, it's very familiar, but it's, it's doing it with uh, a new sort of generation of characters. Yeah, I say it, it does probably bring bring everyone back. Um, but I think some of them, it, yes, they may be unnecessary, but I say some of the returning cameos are some of the funnest bits in it. So, you know, I'm glad they were put in it. Definitely agree. And uh, actually, uh, the one thing I was going to say, um, it's a lot more uh, musical than the original. I mean, we, we did colourful. Joke- the, uh, the costumes in Zamunda are amazing. Like, mm. I thought the, 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 the whole way it's shot... I know we joked about it in the original Coming to America has like a four minute dance sequence choreographed by Paula Abdul, but um, that's excessive. In this, there's a lot of musical numbers and that may be linked to Craig Brewer did the Footloose remake a few years ago. So maybe he has a thing. There's a remake? Can you tell me this now? God. Um, Oh my God. But yes, and some of them are a lot of fun. The musical moments, some of them are very random. You know, I, I had a smile on my face watching it and I probably will watch it again with my wife because I think she'll enjoy it. I think that's the advice. And, you know, to all of our Retro Ramble followers out there, you know, in terms of how this sequel fares, I haven't actually seen um, the follow up to um, Bill and Ted. Yeah, I haven't you need to. So watch it. I, I was, was going to try and watch it. I just didn't have time today before we chat so I could throw my opinion in on that. But, yeah, there's been some uh, misfires. Have you seen uh, Bad Boys for Life yet? No, but it's it's cheap on iTunes at the moment, so I might buy it. I think it's free elsewhere as well, which is the best price. Um, no, I think um, it's definitely a film that if you've got any love for the, for the original or Eddie Murphy in general, you've got to go back and see it. And I think they've done a much better job with it than they could have done. And I think it definitely serves as the fans. However, the critics don't. It's one of those, George. You you can probably explain this better than me, but I've done some sleuthing today online because I wanted to get my thoughts together for recording with you tonight. Uh, and once I'd done that, I then went and looked on the glorious internet to see what they thought. And 
there it's black and white night and day you've got the critics that are saying that it's a pedestrian uh look back relies too much on nostalgia uh pretends to be woke but isn't really gives nods to trending topics bloody 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 blah and then you've got all of the people who watch the original i.e the fans who love it so listeners make, make up your own decision but i mean george and i can see why people would would um would find fault with this film it has been done with an agenda they have tried to make it sellable you know it, it isn't a follow-on sequel it hasn't been made by the same director a few years after the first film it doesn't stand next to the, the original like a lot of sequels do this is another run at it from another era from another century if you will so and i think if you're coming to this like whether you know you're a few years either side of George, you're in your you're in your thirties, your forties, whatever. You you watch this film, um, you're going to go back. You're going to enjoy it. You know, you, you, there's there's enough in this film to make it a worthwhile. In the time of COVID, you can't go to the cinema and watch this at the cinema. Maybe you'd think twice, but it's it's there on your streaming device. And this sort of look back to this time and the the effort that's obviously clearly got into it by Eddie Murphy, I think. Going back to that point of him being sidelined, he has strategically placed himself in this film in a certain way because he wants it to be a success. He doesn't want it to be about him. And the other thing which they, maybe I'm forgetting this, George, there's zero reference to uh, Soul Glow, is there? No, no, uh, apparently I haven't um, I haven't managed to read up on this properly, but I think they had written there was a joke regarding Daryl and Soul Glow and Eric LaSalle. I think he wasn't interested in in reappearing. Do you want to be that loser? You know that one role where you were the loser? Do you want to go back to it? Do you want to reprise that role? So, yeah, George, it's one of those where the fans say one thing, and I, I've only read about seven or eight reviews, but I've, I've only read seven or eight critic reviews, to be fair. And I've got seven or eight critics giving it five and a half to seven out of ten, and then you've got all the fans saying, loved it. Reminds me of why I like the original. Who's right? Yeah, I mean, I think comedy is obviously subjective and comedy comedy films rarely score highly so uh empire magazine gave it three out of five and i think it's very rare for a comedy to get higher than that i mean i think it has to have a bit you know something a bit more to it but i think that's a, a, f a fair appraisal each their own make up your own mind we we, we enjoyed it and we, we hope, hope you do do and we hope you've enjoyed listening to our thoughts on it but it'll be interesting to see um i say this has been you know been such a big hit for amazon whether will there be more sort of revisits to eddie murphy's career so i know there's there's been please ever, do not make a, a remake of trading places they they, they lived happy ever after on the caribbean island end of story no, but I think uh, Beverly Hills Cop 4 has been bubbling around for a while. I think that was going to be a Netflix exclusive. I think Netflix may have the rights to that. So maybe they were like, okay, you can have your coming to America. We'll have Beverly Hills Cop 4. So I think that still may be in, I don't know if it's in production, actively in production, but it's still floating around as far as I know. Okay. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. We're supposedly going to be getting cinemas opening over the coming months. This is going to be a sink or swim time for the for the industry. Um, but let's maybe I just I just know what what studios could do this. I mean, Paramount were talking about you know Sonic 
the Hedgehog, which I've only seen 25 times this month, thanks to my son. Um, that did pretty well. And it was the last big release Paramount had before pandemic hit and they shot all the cinemas. But because it performed quite well and it did well on the streaming, they were, to- they were considering, before we got locked down again recently, they were actually considering doing a re-release of Sonic because they were like, it had its tail pun intended, cut off um, just as it was being released. And so if they thought that about Sonic, maybe they might think that about coming to America. If it does well enough on Amazon, maybe we'll get the chance to see it in cinemas in Europe. Um, Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time to see all these films that have been released straight to streaming, premium video on demand, you know, stuff like Wonder Woman 1984 and... Um, that's the sort of the biggest one I can think of. That because you know is, Netflix is buying cinemas. You know they are they are buying yeah, in cinemas. America, left yeah, on. yeah. So be interesting because I'd love. What was that? I can't remember. Was it called? Oh, I should really remember the name of it. The Chris Hemsworth, um, John Wick in the military film. It's something like oh, Extraction. That what I'd love to see that in IMAX. That was such a such a good film uh, yeah that that was a good fun sort of actioner that uh, well they're planning to do more of that those so yeah. you know uh, hopefully yeah because it seems like some of them do get a limited cinema release i don't know if it's more of a london thing or a lo- like a key like a key cities in, um, Lon- in london in london in fancy, in fancy london town you you uh, you london folk with your monocles <laughs> mm. So that is our recent ramble of Coming to America, the sequel. Uh, Please check out our Coming to America podcast, which is episode number 56. So, yeah, that's our recent thoughts on it. Uh, Are we going to talk about what we've we've got coming up, George? I think it's going to be another big name, somebody who's so big he's got his own font for his movies. Who is it? Yes, it's we're, we're, we're back in Stallone. We're back in Stallone territory with Die Hard on a Mountain. It's cliffhanger, and we're going to be nice to Stallone this time because this is a this is a film we've got a lot of love for. Hey, it was uh, it was back in '93 when Stallone needed a hit, and he and he came back big with both Cliffhanger and Demolition Man. What a year for him! Wow. Now, I'm looking forward to this. Um, There's probably going to be a few John Lithgow impressions to be had. A few. (laughs) And a few Sylvester Stallone. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to this film. And um, obviously, not don't forget that uh, EastEnders' own Craig Fairbrass is in it as Dan, well. I used to play soccer. Yeah, we've got him. Uh, I, I mean, George and I did consider the idea of doing a back-to-back um, episode where we also cover uh, Ace Ventura 2. <laughs> but I think we'll just talk about the jokes that it makes yeah. of Cliffhanger. So looking forward to covering that. That will probably be out um Soon is probably the most exact day we can give you on that. Um, but we hope you enjoyed the recent Highlander episode. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, please give that a download. Anything else worthy of mention, George? Follow us on on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the, the, the our website, our shiny, fairly new website, retroramble.blog. All our previous ep- episodes there. There's some funny videos, the occasional article. And please, you know, if you do enjoy the show, please share with like-minded people. Shout it out as you're walking down the street. I love Retro Ramble. Just don't say anything else. Or just shout it out when you're on a crowded bus. See how see how it trends. That was our recent ramble. Uh, we don't do these all the time, but when they tie into um, a film that's right in our in our wheelhouse, then we had to cover it, didn't we? But on, on that note, if there is a, a new release or a fairly recent film that you th- would like us to cover, by all means, let us know. 
Absolutely. I'd, I'd love to put some thoughts down on paper about, 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 I've only been watching kids' films, to be honest, but no, I would like to watch some adult films. Not those, mean like, no, 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 no. Can you put porn back on my telly? <laughs> not those sort of, uh, W does Dallas, no, not those sort of adult films. No, um, anyway, I'm just going to go and watch an adult film. No, I mean, uh, anyway, I have been, uh, mostly Charlie McKee. And I've been mostly George McGee. We have played other roles. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.